welcome here. Just going to take a minute and we're going to pray. We're going to light a candle. Lord, we, uh, we value being able to connect like this. We ask that you would center us, that you'd center us in on your spirit, on what you have for us today in this moment. God, we want to give you our day. We want to give you um, all the uncertainties that we have, um, all the questions that we have. And Lord, we just want to lay them down at your feet in this place and to learn what that actually means to, to do that, to lay down at your feet the burdens that we carry, the uncertainty. And so we do that, Jesus. And we also connect with each other in this, in this space, in this time, and pray, Lord, that you would help that to be a real thing for us, Lord, that we would truly feel the connection um, that you have created between us, Jesus. As we light this candle... We recognize that you are the light of this time as all times. So here is our candle lit and off in the off in the corner for right now. Not that we need to be religious about this stuff, but it's just it's I feels like it's a helpful thing to uh to have consistent practices together. And that's part of what this morning's reflection is actually going to be around. Um, so this morning's psalm is, we're going to go back into um, a song that's from the collection, uh, Psalms of Ascent. And, uh, and as we, I think that was actually our very first reflection was, was, um, on another one, it's, I, I believe, 15 psalms that are kind of collected. And while we're not sure uh, about the application, we're not 100% sure, um, the strongest kind of argument right now is that uh, these are songs that were sung as people were making their way to Jerusalem for, like pilgrimage, essentially, making their way to Jerusalem for one of the, one of the major festivals that would happen throughout the course of the year. And so the psalm that we're going to reflect on this morning is, is Psalm 133. And so we're going to read this together. It's a short psalm this morning. This might be a shorter reflection today. Look, how good and pleasant it is when brothers truly live in unity. It's like fine oil that's poured out on the head, which flows down the beard, Aaron's beard, and then flows down his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon, which flows down upon the hills of Zion. Indeed, that is where the Lord has decreed a blessing will be available, eternal life. And so, as I mentioned, this is a shorter, a shorter psalm, uh, but it's one that I found beautiful for a long time. It's very poetic. Um, and th there are a couple of ideas that are 
at play here that I think probably need a little bit of parsing out. It's very contextual. Um, sometimes, sometimes we can read poetry or, or lyric or Psalms and they speak very directly into our circumstance. And sometimes we read things and we just, it's, it's so very different from our own experience. And this is probably one of, one of those is, is more like, more like the latter. It's a, it's, it's a little bit out of our experience. Um, so just as a point of, of, I guess, bringing a reflection to this, that it's very possible that Jesus was singing again, this collection of of Psalms as he was coming to Jerusalem, um, as he was staring down the cross and, uh, which is very pertinent for us to reflect on here as we get into the final season of Lent and what a Lenten season it has been. And we really start to orient ourselves towards Easter, towards Good Friday, towards the experience of Jesus and the work of Jesus on the cross. And so that's, to me, a, just an interesting and beautiful thing to kind of hold in reflection, this idea that, this, that these words, uh, it's very reasonable to suppose that these words were resonant in Jesus' heart as he was making his way, and he knew what he was coming to. And so, um, wanting to unpack some of the rich imagery that is here, I mean, the very first, uh, the way that this opens, look how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity, I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. Of course, we have sort of a masculine-based language here, and that's largely because of the culture. It's also because this is referring so specifically into the priesthood of Israel as, as a metaphor for, for gathering, right? And the priesthood of Israel was, was essentially men um, who were all kind of of a common descent, They're of the tribe of Levi, and... Um, and so that's part of the part of the language here, but the invitation is really a people-wide invitation, right? Particularly as we start to look at this through the lens of, of the New Testament. And so there's this idea that it is so lovely and powerful when the family of God is is unified, right? Is more unified than than divided. And one of the things that I think is really interesting in this season is to consider how um, some of the some of the things that have been fairly divisive in the church um, have sort of taken a little bit of a uh, they play it seems to be playing a less significant role in how we relate to one another and that's not to say that those things that we wrestle with um, and have different differences around are are not important. Um, but it is interesting to me that in this time of uncertainty that our sense of togetherness is just so important to us. And I think that that's something that's worth uh, bearing in mind as we as we step into um, uh, a, a, another form of normal, whatever that ends up looking like, that we kind of hold on to how precious and valuable it is, this idea that we gather together and that we are a family together, and that that is actually a more significant bond to us than that which divides us, right? And so there's something that's beautiful in that, and that can be part of the gift of, of a season that is that is a difficult season. Um, 
And speaking of this idea that this psalm is centered around uh, uh, the priesthood of Israel, this is very significant for us as Christ followers. And that is because um, of a passage primarily that's found in 1 Peter. Uh, It's in chapter 2 and it's verse 9. And it says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light, right? And so what that language is talking about, the people who hear this realize that, that what is being said is that in Christ, the, um, the responsibilities, but also the privileges of the priesthood are, are, put, are extended towards the entire family of God, all who are in Christ, because it's an become a people group, a kind of people who are actually a priesthood together, right? And so able to, able to intercede, able to have uh, the experience of stepping into the very presence of God, right? These are part and parcel of what it is to be a priesthood, have a, a, a more direct connection, right, to who God is. Um, but also when we read this, we can actually step into the promises pretty specifically that are here, right? And the blessing that's here, that's not just for the, for the priesthood, but is actually something that is extended to all of us in Christ. And so let's, let's just talk about some of the context of this, some of the odd phrases that maybe don't make sense to us as a thing that says, Hey, that's cool. I definitely want to have oil poured all over me. Right. And so one thing that's helpful in reflecting on the psalm is to consider that it actually has in mind a very specific historical event, right? It's, it's telling a story that everyone would have been familiar with in that time. And that story for us, I'm not going to unpack it or read it too much, or I'm not going to read it at all, but you can reference it. It's, it's Leviticus 8, that chapter, is basically telling the story of Aaron who's the first high priest of Israel, um, being uh, anointed, right? Being commissioned. And, and so it's literally this, this, this moment that's being described here is actually the very beginning of the worshiping life of Israel in any sort of unintentional uh, and focused way, right? This is part of the law that has come to them. And there's a whole story around that that probably most of us have at least some familiarity with. But there's this law that has been unpacked to Moses, right? It's a law that tells the people how to be a people, right? How to live together, how to achieve some sense of unity, and how to have a cohesive experience, like to be the people of God, essentially. And then there's also this entire set of criteria and rules and practices that talk about how to be right together before God. And so this moment that's being described is the moment where this whole thing gets inaugurated, right? This whole, this whole system of sacrifices, that worship and, and, and prayer and, uh, and, and a priesthood, right? And, and the temple, essentially, although at this point it's a tabernacle, it's a traveling uh, place where heaven and earth uh, overlap that the people of Israel bring with them. I don't want to get into the weeds too much here, but there's a space in the, and, and again a context that people will have in mind as they're hearing this the first time. Okay, and so this is, this, this moment, this, this story, this is specifically where the oil piece comes in, right? Because I, 
again, when I think of the idea, and, and Liv will attest to this, I'm, I'm not like super excited about putting stuff on my body, like oils or whatever. I, I get a little bit, it just kind of creeps me out a little bit, right? And so this idea of having oil that gets poured over me and that being a good thing, it, it, it it's not my... It's not my MO, right? That's not language that on its surface I go, yes, that's a pleasant experience that I want to compare this to. But in the story of Aaron, um, so much matters in this. So um, oil running down over over Aaron's head, it is like, oil is, um, it is at least a symbol of like, of, of being a chosen and uh, and anointed. So, uh, having the intentions of God and the favor of God rest on a person, right? That for sure, at least, is what the oil, the anointing oil symbolizes. It's a very rich, fragrant, beautiful smelling um, uh, uh, substance, right? Um, and But also, like, if you look in Isaiah, particularly Isaiah 61, talks about the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news and to, and to do the, you know, all the rest of what that passage says. So there's something to be said that the oil actually symbolizes in the, the presence of God, right? The actual presence of God coming and, and, and soaking in a way that's really sticky and clingy and hard to get rid of us. And so that also is a pretty powerful and beautiful image when I start thinking about it through that lens, right? And getting into the beard, it's like, it. I mean, for me, that's meaningful. Maybe for some of you women, that's a weird thing to consider. But it's like, again, this idea of being drenched, right? But then when it gets into this idea of running over the garments, the thing to know here is that the garments of the priesthood are very significant part. It's a very significant part of the worshiping life of, of ancient Israel. The, the, the garments of the priesthood, was, they were so symbolic. They were very specifically measured out and described um, in the scriptures through like a revelation of God to Moses. And part of what's happening here is that in, on the, the, the garb of the priest is actually all of the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, right? They're all represented there. And it's worth noting that the 12 tribes of Israel are, these are brothers, right? This is a family that, that this people group has come from, that the people of God have descended from is a, is a family, right? We've got this, the 12 sons of Israel or Jacob. And so when the oil is drenching the priest and soaking the garments, it's soaking over all of the various extensions of the people of God, all these different families, right? And these families that at different points in their history are at war with one another. I mean, this is not necessarily the most peaceful group of people that we've ever seen in history, right? And so this idea of the unity of, of the people of God, even in their distinct camps and families, is part of what's being called to mind here. And again, in our time right now, I find that there's an encouraging thing that's taking place where we recognize something that's really important is the sense of togetherness. And I don't want to lose the fact as well that this is a sense that this, if we're right, and this is being sung by pilgrims who are on their way, making their way from across the nation of Israel to Jerusalem, to the temple, to worship, right? Um, they're anticipating a coming together of the people. 
And I think that this is something that is okay and, and good for us to hold on to as a, as a source of hope. That when we come together, uh, or this is this is something that we are to we are sojourners together, right? We're separate right now. We can't. We literally cannot gather, not because there's some kind of edict against Christians gathering or anything like that, but because for our safety, right? So legally, we cannot gather together right now. It would be illegal and it would be uh, irresponsible for us to physically be together. But um, in this time, we can look at a psalm like this and anticipate anticipate being able to gather as we desire to gather. And let me tell you that the next time that we gather as a church family, it is going to be a party and we are going to have food together and it, we're going to worship together and it's going to be a fantastic time of coming together and celebrating um, being able to be together. Whatever else we might be bringing to that in our emotions and whatever the story is that we're living in the middle of. But this is something we can anticipate. And so I think it's very significant for us right now. I think that this is uh, part of the effect of the psalm on me is to anticipate the coming together. Um, I also want to just reference quickly this last paragraph that talks about the dew coming onto the hills of Zion. Right? Zion is the place that is, it's the dwelling place of God. Right? This is this is the thing that we ultimately have our hope in, right? Is being in this uh, new creation that God is, is working, right? Is working through the power of Christ, through resurrection. And so when the, this, the mountain that's being referred to here, right? The, the dew of, of, of Hermon, Hermon is a mountain, where there's just a flourishing of life that comes from the dew, right? From what happens overnight. And let's not forget that this idea of, of, the, of dew also carries with it in the story, this idea of manna, of provision, right? With the dew in the time that the Israelites were in the wilderness, with the dew that fell also came provision for food, in this case of manna. And so there's like a... There's a, a, a bit of a rhyme in that that I, that I find in this psalm that I think is encouraging for us as well. So I want to, um, it's interesting to close out for this morning. And again, I'm sorry, I'm not able to see comments today, just kind of part of the constraint of the tech this morning. Um, I want to sing an old song and I, I actually wasn't able to find any versions of this Anywhere, I had to re-remember it from memory. I don't know who wrote it. I remember singing this, um, like back in the early 90s. It's basically this psalm set, set to music. I think it's called How Good. I think it's a lovely song, and so I'm gonna, we're going to close out with this. How good How pleasant When brothers dwell In unity 
how good how pleasant when brothers dwell in unity it is like horse Running down the head It is like oil Running down the beard It is like oil Running down the garment it is like rain Washes clean How good How pleasant When brothers dwell how good How pleasant When brothers dwell like oil running down the head it is like oil running down the beard it is like oil Down the garment, it is like the rain washes clean. It is like the rain washes clean. So with that, I just pray that the Lord would would lead us today, lead us today in the rhythms of um, of hope, the rhythms of unity in our families. That this would be more than just a metaphor in your home, but that there would be the pleasantness of unity in your own spaces I pray and that the Lord would continue to speak and to lead us with the immediacy of what we see in the the priests that are not having to come through someone else to access God you don't need to come through me or through someone else who stands in the space in between you and God but that you can encounter him directly 
And so I pray for that into your life today in these in these times. So go in peace. Um, tomorrow, Rachel Glenn is bringing a reflection to us, and so I'm looking forward to that. So we will see one another tomorrow at 10 a.m. Peace.